Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, and right now, book by book, as the Office of National Mission winds down its uh, participation with Thy Strong Word, and I uh, finally try to focus on my dissertation writing. <laughs> but don't worry. In the meantime, we've got some really cool special programming. We're looking at these different books of the Bible. We've seen all this different stuff, Ruth, Job, Leviticus, Genesis. Uh, today, we're looking at First Kings, and uh, this is really cool, and I'm really glad that we got here because, um, you know, as big as these two figures are, uh, there's no book of the Bible with their name on them, but they have a really big part to play in First and Second Kings. Uh, this sounds like a really great Jeopardy clue or something. We're talking Elijah and Elisha, um, and this is an interesting moment here. It gets mentioned in the book of James, my middle name namesake. Uh, it, it's a it's a big it's a big deal. This this uh, drought, and uh, it's not just him predicting the weather. There's more to it. Clearly, we have as our guest Pastor John Lukomsky joining us to discuss 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll also look a little bit at the end of chapter 16. Pastor Lukomsky is co-host of Wrestling with the Basics on KFUO, Wednesdays, 2 p.m., Saturdays, 9 a.m. Central Time. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back. Good good morning, AJ. Good to be back. And, and I love this story. I love yeah. this story. Yeah, and, and I tell you what, I love it because when you read through it, it seems like that's nothing we've ever experienced and yet, through the eyes of faith, you realize that everything that's going on in this text of chapter 17 and probably the end of 16, too, is something that's happening right now. We're all experiencing, even even as you and I speak. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think that you can see a lot of—I mean, I think that's part of why, right, the stories of Elijah and Elisha are so beloved, right? I mean, they just—they uh, they do have— uh, there is there is this this way of kind of relating to them. I, I think, particularly in the way that they are criticizing the kings um, whose administrations they kind of serve as these sort of uh, counterpoints to, and, and so with that kind of idea of seeing corruption, um, you know, and, and dealing with that and trying to be faithful in the midst of that. I think I think that yeah, the faithful have related to these stories in many ways. I think also too. Um, you really have got—you got to—I mean, I say this about, like, all the Old Testament, right? But, like, I feel like you got to have Elijah and Elisha, like, the stories of Elijah and Elisha in the back of your head when you're reading the Gospels and when you're reading Acts, because they have been framed deliberately so that we would make those connections. I mean, that, that's that's one where it's like, we, we talk about connections all the time, but those are connections that, like, the Gospel writers were trying to, like, be like, okay, hey, guys, look, get it, get it, right? You know, I mean, don't you think? <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and exactly. And in fact, you 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 look at these two prophets, uh, Elijah and Elisha, and and you suddenly realize again, as as we we talked about the last time you and I were together, we were talking about uh, King David and an episode in his life, yeah. and and it's all pointing ahead to Jesus. I mm -hmm. mean, man, these stories stand on their own. I'm not denying that, but but you think about the things they do, and I think you're right. I think the gospel writers are are saying, don't you see, Jesus is doing the same things only bigger and greater and more profound uh, yeah. but it's yeah these guys are all pointing ahead to what christ is doing for us for us yeah. that's the cool thing the things that elijah is doing here are the same things that jesus is doing for us even as we speak 
Amen. Well, on that note, let's go ahead, if you would, open us up with a prayer, and we'll turn to the text. Oh, Lord, we, we thank you for, for giving us this, this wonderful, wonderful scripture. But, but now we pray uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit, because we cannot fully understand what this is message uh, is about, particularly that, that this message is about us and what's happening to us without the working of your Spirit. So grant that Holy Spirit to us that we can see these wonderful uh, words of comfort uh, concerning the prophet Elijah are the same words of comfort you would speak to us concerning your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. That's right. We got it. Oh, man. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was, no, that's fine. That's good. You know, I, uh, I, I actually, you know, this is something I was talking to another pastor about that, you know, the, the it's, it's kind of weird in some ways to kind of say amen to your own prayers, right? You yeah. Know, it's it's, it's sort of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's sort of like, yeah, you said it. Wait, well, I said it. I, I mean, I mean, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, 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 very good. Yeah, yeah, the Baptists got that right. They say, they "Amen, brother." Yeah, that's exactly, right. exactly right. <laughs> you said it, right? Yeah, from yeah. from for, or the other the, ver, the other version I like from your from your lips to God's ears. There uh, you go. Yeah, I know. Very yeah. good. Um, yeah. All right, so let let's see here. So this this is actually a part where we're, we're actually making forward progress here. Now we 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 went through the Old Testament and we we caught up with ourselves where we were. Um, spending a good chunk of time in First and Second Samuel, but here in First Kings, we've we've fast forwarded here. So, anything mm-hmm. you can do to kind of set us up and get us from, uh, you know, the end of of David's reign, uh, where you know he's been reestablished, he takes a census, God's not happy about that, right? Like get like from there to to here, where it's a very different king. Well, and and the thing you got to realize is that uh, the the focus. Uh, has now changed because we're not talking about David's kingdom. We're not talking about Judah. We're we're talking about the kingdom of the north, uh, the kingdom of Samaria, the kingdom of Israel, although that's kind of confusing because we say Israel and we're thinking about David and all of that. But but here we have the civil war. So, yeah, so we're talking about what's going on up north now uh, in, in, in those tribes that have left, have actually split from the chosen people of God, and from the split on, that they have not worshipped Yahweh the way they should. Uh, but what's striking about Ahab is, is it's actually got worse. <laughs> I'm sure mm-hmm. people say, well, how could it get any worse? But then King Ahab comes to rule over the northern kingdom, and things are the—what's the phrase in here? He did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Yep. <laughs> so yep. it's like you've just got—well, you know, well, you know <laughs> how can things get worse? Well, they, they do. All the time. Yeah, so I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. beware, beware asking the question: How could things get any worse? Right? Like yeah, they, whole, right. they always can. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so then it is. Uh, but, but what's interesting, though, right? In the midst of all of that, I, I mean, I mean, I think this is kind of like what we were talking about yesterday, and and dealing with uh, First Chronicles, how it, it's in these you know worst of moments that the best of God's grace and and yeah. action and uh, presence in our lives can be seen. And if you didn't have these terrible, terrible rulers like you know Ahab and Jezebel, like you would, um, you'd never have like the Elijah confrontation, whether it's like this or like the confrontation on like Mount Carmel. I mean, like all those things. It's like that God was doing all those things to confront and to judge and to proclaim and to restore. 
um, you know, in, in the midst of that. So, I mean, it's in the end, we, we thank God for what he did uh, during those times. I, I, I'd say I, I've done this story before, and, and the heading I have on my notes is a story of God's undeserved grace. And, and you're absolutely right, AJ. That that's it. Everything the Lord's doing here, He's not doing it because people deserve it, but quite the opposite. They they don't deserve it at all. And yet the Lord is. That's how He is. I'm sorry if you don't like that, but He is a God of a said. He's a God of of steadfast love. It's just how He is. Uh, we're going to see some discipline going on here too. But again, as the Bible teaches us, the Lord disciplines those he loves, which is really crazy here because what's going on is actually because God loves Ahab. Not because he hates him. If he hated him, he would just ignore him. Uh, but because he loves him, he sends him a prophet, he, he sends a famine, he does all these things because he actually wants Ahab to repent and be That's saved. Right. Yeah. That's right. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks. I think that really helps uh, setting the, the stage here. So let's go ahead and we'll read through the chapter. And uh, yeah, and like we do, we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll we'll circle back around and try to kind of look at some of the um, kind of these like setup pieces and talk about them in more detail in the, in the first uh, few verses here. But uh, but here's just the, the whole thing. This is First Kings chapter 17 and getting a little bit of a running start here starting with uh, chapter 16 verse 29 just to guess a, a little bit uh, a little bit of context anyway all right in the 38th year of Asa king of Judah Ahab the son of Omri began to reign over Israel and Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years and Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him and as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria, and Ahab made an Asherah. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundation at the cost of Abiram, his firstborn, and set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishba and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Kerith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and he went and lived by the brook Kerith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, 
As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering a couple sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You've come to bring me to my sin, to remembrance, and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Now, then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Uh, so, yeah, a, a well-beloved story. It's one that, um, I'm trying to remember where it pops up in the lectionary, but I mean, it, it is it is one of the lectionary stories, and so uh, I think that it's a little bit more familiar as well. Uh, what I'm struck by, though, is how it is a... I mean, this whole little section that we read, even in a little bit in chapter 16, it's very, the word of the Lord is true, right? I mean, it's very appropriate for a program called Thy Strong Word. I mean, the word of God <laughs> is strong, is what yes. it, this is yeah. saying, right? I mean, you go back all yeah. the way to, yeah. at the end of chapter 16, where, I mean, like, it, it's, uh, and we actually, we read this way back in, in, uh, in Joshua, right? Like, how after he destroys Jericho, he says, you know, hey— this city is never to be rebuilt, and if anyone does, it'll be at the cost of his um, firstborn and to set up the gates at the cost of his youngest. And there's, I mean, there it is, the word according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So it's like even after, you know, centuries, uh, the word of the Lord is strong, and it's going to happen just like he said. Yeah, and, and, and thanks for pointing that out, AJ, because as you're reading through this, you get this rather obscure comment about Hail of Bethel building Jericho and lost it. But what's all? Uh, but you're right. No, that's the point. Uh, the author is yeah. reminding us that, yeah, this is what Joshua said. Many, many, if anybody tried to rebuild Jericho, God tore it down. It's not supposed to be reconstructed. Well, there you have it, just as he said, the loss of the firstborn. 
uh, and the loss of the child. Uh, um, and, and, and that, of course, is where the thing concludes as you enter the chapter, that, yeah, the word of the Lord is strong. The word of the Lord is true. Everything that, That's the one thing you can be sure of. Uh, yep. uh, whatever the word of the Lord says, that, that's how it's going to be. Um, but Kadeji, real quickly, what I really appreciate about the assignment you gave me yeah. is, like you said, that this this uh, business about the widow and uh, and Elijah. That's in the uh, uh, lectionary. I, I've done that probably, you know, I don't know, fifteen times more yeah. in my forty years of ministry. Yeah. However, I never did it in the context of, of chapter sixteen. Mm. And, and, and so here's the thing that I'd never thought of before. Hmm. Um, if if you were a Jew. And you heard the story of a widow of Zarephath, and she was suffering from a famine, you know, to the mm-hmm. point where her and her son have one last meal, and then they're going to die. You would say, aha, see, that's how it is. These are Baal worshippers, by the way. Zarephath yeah. is, is the land uh, from where Jezebel came in. It's the land of Baal worship. Of course, what would you expect? God is punishing the widow because yeah. of her. Uh, but, of course, when you read the context, no, she's suffering a famine because God is punishing his people. <laughs> That's the source yeah. of the famine because the Israelites are not being faithful. And sad poor widow, she just happens to be in the same neighborhood where God is punishing his own people. Uh, and I thought, well, yeah. I'd, never, I'd never thought of that before. And, and why that struck me is important because we're struggling we are now under a discipline of the Lord, this pandemic. And I think there's a tendency for us as Christians to say, well, of course we can see why this is, because this is an evil, this is a wicked world. You know, of course God's going to punish the, the, this world, which is so departed from his ways. And yet I'm thinking the Lord's saying, you're missing the point, people. This is my discipline upon you. There are things you're not doing <laughs> that are pleasing to me. And of course, yeah, the world's going to suffer along. But but the the Lord probably doesn't really care too much about the world. Well, he does. He loves the world. He wants to save the world. But but when he sends things like this, it's for discipline, and he only disciplines those he loves. And so that's you and me and all of our listeners, AJ. So uh, God help us to reflect on these things and see this is not something we look at and say, oh, this is a call for the world to repent, although it is that. Mm-hmm. But it is certainly also a call for you and I to repent, lest we all likewise perish, as Jesus tells us. That, that's a that's a, that's a great insight, John. Like it reminds me of, um, I think it's the. I'm trying to think of like which, which, uh, which version this is in. Um, I think it's I think it's in the version from. I, I'm going to have to double check. Uh, but when, when our Lord says, um, you know, you are the salt of the earth, um, and then uh, what he follows up with, and, and I remember like I had to like do like like some like uh, digging. But like what it really means is, you know, with what um, it, like if, if salt loses um, its its saltiness, uh, with what shall it be salted referring to the earth? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, when you look closely like that's I mean, the thing is that the, the 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 phrase goes different ways in Mark and Matthew and Luke. Um, but, but when you, at least it's, I forget which one it is now, but like when you look at one of them anyway, that that's actually the point. And so that I think complements what you're saying that if you think of it as, okay, you know, you're, you're the, you're the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, right? Well, that sounds like a great thing, but what happens then when, uh, when like the, the light's hidden, 
the, the, the earth gets dark. What happens when you take away uh, the salt, which is to say uh, the, the fertilizer um, that was used at the time, and even sometimes is still used today. Uh, it's really funny, actually, uh, a parishioner bought me a big bag of earth salt, <laughs> like fertilizer, after I preached that sermon. And I was like, what do you know? It really is still it used does. to this day. But there you go. I got, I got the bag. Uh, yeah, but, but so like, so that's, the, that's the flip side, though, right? Like, it, you know, if, if the world's blessing, right, like stops doing its thing, goes the way of, uh, you know, Ahab, uh, then the world's going to suffer. And, and, and to think about that, that the world suffers because of the sins of God's own people, um, yeah, it's, it's humbling, it's sobering. And, and, and I think what's cool, so if we are the light, if we are the salt, what is it we're supposed to show the world, see? Well, what we're supposed to show the world is two things. Love, love for the neighbor. That's certainly what we need to show. But it's also we need to show repentance, don't we? That yeah. we're sinners too, and that all sinners need to repent. And that's what the Lord wants from the world, see? And I, I think we fail at that sometimes, A.G. I think we, we, we fail. It's more like, oh, we're going to show the world what it is to be good. And what we need to really show the world is the fact that we are sinners, that we repent. And, and then, in the graciousness of God, we seek to love those that are around us. Uh, well, anyway, that's just my yeah. editorial opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, so. <laughs> no, no. no. I, I, amen, brother. You said it. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, no I, I, think, I think that's exactly right. Um, and so, so I, okay, so I just, I just pulled it up uh, since we were talking about it here. So, yeah, it's, it's in Matthew yeah. 5. And you know, the ESV's translation here, um, it's kind of like harmonizing and kind of following some um, other translations. Um, but it's not, you know, how shall its saltiness be restored? Uh, in Greek it says, with what will it be salted? Um, mm. And it, like, really should probably refer to the earth, right? If so, yeah, It's like, well, if you, if, you, yeah. if, if you lose, because why, why you salt salt, right? This is the thing that's confused <laughs> many people. Why would you salt? That doesn't make any sense. Well, the, no, the no. earth, right? Uh, that, that's the point. Um, but so, but yeah, so to, to your point, right? Like, you know, he's, t he's talking about this, uh, you know, in Matthew five, uh, you know, about like the, the people of God, the kingdom of heaven, his, his followers, his disciples, right? And what's he saying? Like, let your shine, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Um, and, and as he's kind of building this and, and talking about it, right? I mean, really, like, as you were saying, he's ultimately talking about love, right? I mean, that's what he's contrasting with. I mean, like, what kind of good works are we talking about? Well, not not anger and hatred and lust, but uh, but but love, selflessness, right? That, that that kind of love that 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 goes the extra mile, literally, in, in the context, right? Um, that turns the other cheek. All those different uh, tokens of love that reflect the Father who sent Jesus. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and, and so, so as, as I said at the beginning, uh, to me, what we got here is our story. And so this is our story. We, we live in a corrupt world, just, just like Elijah did, just like the widow of Seraphath. Uh, and, and the thing is, is, is we're not so deserving of God's blessings either. Uh, I, I think that's the cool thing about it being the widow of Zarephath who's being helped. This is not some faithful member of the uh, Israelite community. You know, this is a foreigner, an outsider, a pagan. Uh, and, and, you know, you were talking about the James references this. Well, Jesus yeah. 
references it too, you know, when, when yep. they won't accept Jesus in Nazareth. They say, well, may I remind you that there were a lot of widows out there when the great right. famine came over the land, but he was only sent to the one in Zarephath in the land of Sidon, he says, you know, and they all knew what that meant. This was the people yep. outside of the people. But but that's what we are. We, we need to begin that way. You and I, even though we are blessed to do this wonderful radio show, we're still a couple of sinners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And everyone way. listening to us is too, by the way. For those of you that are listening, you are as well. Don't forget that. Because yes. then, then, then the story says, what God, what does God do for people like that? That's <laughs> okay? right. Well, that's and well, yeah. Remarkable. And, and then, yeah. Um, you know, like what our what our Lord does uh, with, with the you know the, the the sinful woman, right? As it, as it's uh, described. Um, yeah. You know, like well, you know, she who has been forgiven much loves much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so that that's why that's why you have the love of God because you have been given to those. Wow, you know, I love our discussion on, on Matthew chapter 5 in the Gospels today. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, have to, yeah. we'll have to get back, we'll have to get really back into First uh, Kings 17, everybody, but just in a minute, we got to take our break, but looking at First Kings, we'll be right back. On this Tuesday, December 8th, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Delmar and Kristen Ehlers of Browndale, Minnesota. Delmar and Kristen made a gift to KFUO Radio in celebration of their wedding anniversary today. They are thankful to the Lord for his many blessings throughout their years together. Thank you, Delmar and Kristen Ehlers, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. Even in these uncertain times, Missouri lawyers are here to help. If your income has been impacted by the current global crisis, or if you qualify as a low-income household, you can have your legal questions answered for free at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. You can ask up to five questions, and they'll be answered by a lawyer licensed in Missouri at no cost to you. Missouri lawyers want you to know you are not alone. Get free answers to your legal questions at missouri.freelegalanswers.org. Brought to you by the Missouri Bar. Touching the lives and the hearts of our listeners with the Word of Christ. Sharper Iron is such an incredible, amazing gift. I thank you so much for what it's doing for me and what I know it must be doing for a lot of other people. God bless. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Kings chapter 17. We really, really are, I promise. Uh, we, we, <laughs> we talked, uh, making some good connections to the gospel, and we'll probably look at uh, the letter uh, written by uh, James in uh, a bit, too. There's, I mean, there's just too many connections. I, I was double-checking my notes, too. This actually comes up twice in, in, the, in the lectionary, um, like in the three-year. I think it's like year B and your C at different points in the Sundays after Pentecost. So it's like, if you, if you feel like you hear the story often, 
That's a great you sign because it means you're going to church regularly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yes, we're, we're joined today by our guest, Pastor John Lekomsky, pastor and uh, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, 2 p.m. Wednesday, 9 a.m. Saturdays on KFUO. And if you got a question for me or Pastor Lekomsky, give us a call if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Or hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa, where immediately after uh, the show today, I will put on the live stream that big bag of rock uh, salt fertilizer uh, for, <laughs> for, for you all to see. Uh, yes, it, it, this is really, yeah, that is that is a thing. That is a thing. Um, <clears throat> some of the questions here on, uh, on, on Facebook, uh, did God tell the widow ahead of time that Elijah was coming, or uh, when Elijah shows up, is that the first time the widow's heard of it? Good question. Um, another one, if Elijah and Elijah are prophets, like why don't we why don't we have any books with their names on them or these kind of prophecies or oracles like you see with the other prophets, right? Um, you know, so why are they kind of seemingly so different, or are there other prophets like them? Yeah, good good questions, and uh, yeah, we'll take a look at uh, a few of those. Uh, a few came in over email as well, um, kind of kind of looking at it in terms of kind of the function of Elijah, because, of course, uh, especially as the Gospel of Mark um, tries to emphasize, right, there is a return of Elijah in John the Baptist. What office takes up the same mantle as Elijah today? Good question. Kind of talking about the nature of those things. Yeah, so there's, uh, yeah, there's plenty of things for us to, to sink our teeth into before... Uh, we do so. I want to just make sure I thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word. All right, brother. Um, let's see. Which question do you want to take a crack at first? Well, well, let, let, let's take the easy one about whether she knew that Elijah was coming, and, and apparently from the text, no, she had no idea. She's just out preparing her last meal, and in fact, she yeah. figures this is it, you know. So, no, there's no indication that she had any idea that the Lord was going to intervene uh, and, and uh, deliver her. Um, yeah, so no, that's, that's, a, that's a good point, yeah. uh, well, we, because, right, she, when, when she says that, right, you know, when she says, you know, that I may prepare it and, and die, right, it's, it's because she fully expects that this is like, you know, the, the, the last that they have, right? I mean, this, this, this is the issue, and, and it's so why we, uh, I remember trying to explain this to my daughter, uh, you know, my four-year-old, when we were reading the story of uh, of, of Joseph, right? Because it's just like trying to explain to a child in America the notion of a famine. It's like, mm. it's yep. kind of like impossible. It's like the food ran out. Daddy, you just order more from Amazon, like you always do. <laughs> it's like, go to McDonald's. What's the yeah, Right? You know, it's just... Uh, you know, what do you mean it ran out? Like, you know, but, but yeah, no, I mean, so I, I think you're right. Like she, she wouldn't be saying that if, if she kind of had like the full picture. I, I think the reason that, um, the question was asked though, is because it does say in verse nine, behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Right. Yep, so yep. Uh, what, what do you, what do you kind of like make of that? Like this, this, I've commanded the widow to, to feed you. I, I, and I think that all by itself too, the language there is pretty interesting. 
Well, but, but but see, this is the cool thing. This is what people don't understand. There's nobody in this world that isn't doing what God wants them to do. And it doesn't matter whether you're a believer or unbeliever. Yeah. See, the unbelievers think they're out calling the shots, doing what they want. But you, you read the Old Testament. You look at the people, the rulers of Babylon, the rulers of Assyria. And, and the point is, no, they're all God's instruments. They're doing what he commanded to, even if they don't know they're doing it. See, that that's the cool thing. The Lord structured everything. The Lord's using everybody. What we want, though, is to know that, right? Isn't that what Luther emphasizes in the, the petitions about the Lord's Prayer? You know, God's going to do all these things. You know, you don't need to pray that he'll do them or not. He's commanding everything. But we want to know that he's doing them, and we want to know that we're involved in, in what's going on. And, and that is, you know, A.J. hadn't thought about it. That's one of the graces that God has given to this widow of Seraphath. That, that he, he, he's not only going to feed her, he's not going to uh, raise her son from the dead, but he's going to use her. And she's going to yeah. know that she is the one that's being used. She doesn't know it at the time, but by the time the story's finished, she will know that she is an instrument of the Lord for good. Created beforehand, before creation, is that what it says in Ephesians, for good works? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. No, I, I, think you're, I think you're spot on. I think that, I mean, it's so, um, the thing I was looking at is that that command language happens early in the chapter with the raven. Right. Yes. And I, yes. and I don't think that 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 language implies that the ravens are any more self-aware or <laughs> conscious of like the commands of God. Right. Um, than, than than the rocks or the stones or or the clouds in the sky. Right. I mean, God commands things and like you're like you're saying and directs things constantly all the time. It's not a I mean, like, I think I think you put it well, right? I mean, it, it, he's always directing things. It's not as if God's like, okay, I'm going to go take a nap, and you just kind of like, earth, you do your thing, right? Um, and, and then every once in a while, he pops in and gives a command. No, he's <laughs> constantly commanding. And so um, when he kind of just shifts gears, right, it's just kind of like, hey, you know, I I usually command you clouds to give rain this time of year, but this time I'm going to command you not to, right? Like, I mean, yeah. the, the exceptional commands show us that actually God's been commanding them all along, day in, day out. I mean, this is what Luther gets at with the explanation of the meaning of the first article of the creed, right? That, that God daily and richly provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. And the first thing, right? Uh, food and drink, right? So it's every day God is creating life, sustaining life, commanding. And so, yeah, I think I think he commands the ravens, he commands the widow, and the, the ravens of the widow, they don't even know it, but they're going to obey, and they're going to be blessed because of it. So so here, here's a quote from Luther. If we believe that everything was created by God's power out of nothing, why should we not also believe this, that he can multiply and increase what is already in existence. Where do snow and rain often come from so suddenly? Now the sky is clear. One moment later, when he pleases, he sends snow or rain, and then he actually quotes 1 Kings 17 and, yep. and the whole business with Elijah and the widow. Uh, and, and here's the really neat thing. I'm glad you brought that up. So, so there's a reason why this story is laid out with ravens providing for Elijah first. Oh, and, yeah, and yeah. And the widow, the widow. So, so the point is, God doesn't need us. I mean, he can yeah. take care of people any way he wants. He could send ravens to do it, like you said. The whole creation is at his command. But this text reminds us that's not how God wants to do it. God wants to use people to take care of other people. 
that was the plan from the very beginning when he created man and woman, right? It's not good for man to be alone. Why? Because man needs someone to love, and this someone also needs to love him. And, and that's another great thing about this story, that, that God's reminding everybody listening to us right now that they're here for a purpose. There's somebody in their life that they can help and they can take care of. If nothing else, just show them that they love even if they're not physically capable of, of doing things, that they can yeah. still say, hey, you're important to me. I love you. And, and that's, that's one of the great lessons of this text. Uh, amen. Well, and I think that, too, you think about— um, well, I mean, I, I, the thing I was going to say, too, like kind of connected to that, it, it's amazing to see, behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Yes. Right? Like, this, this sentence is backwards. <laughs> right like ah. you 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 think it should say right i've commanded you to feed the widow there because that's what god does all the time yes god's yes. always commanding right i mean so this is this is a good illustration of how like the, the, the reversal right god's always commanding his people to take care of the widow and the orphan right i mean like all the time um you, you see that in leviticus you see i mean what we saw a big example of it in ruth right where you, you got boaz looking out after after this uh, well, th these widows, right? I mean, so to then to say that, that okay, well, I've commanded a widow there to feed you, th this already implicitly is setting up then a um, Hannah, Mary, Magnificat reversal, right? Yes. Like, like, yes. like if, hey, hang on a second. If God's saying, hey, I've, I've commanded the, you know, the, the barren woman to bear many sons, right? It's like, well, that's a that's a great command because it means that it's a it's a reversal of fortunes. So if a, if a widow is going to be able to to feed Elijah in the midst of a famine, I mean, this is he's already saying it up. So I mean, I think that just shows um, how you know you know we, we use the words like commands and laws and stuff like that, but but you see God's grace in in all of it, and it's uh, it's an amazing reversal. Yeah, and and see that's the cool thing because it it shows us the true nature of love. Unfortunately, the world understands love, but for, in the eyes of the world, is love is something you do so you can get something back. That, that's what it's all about. Uh, but the biblical picture is no, 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 no. Love is what has been done to you, and now you do that as a response. Uh, that flow of we love as Christ has first loved us. And it's a totally different kind of love then, and it's really what love should be. I, I think a love that you do just because you want love back— that's pretty much selfishness. <laughs> and that'll only last so long as things are going the way you want them to. And a famine comes and you're going to just stop loving, period. Uh, but, but this is the kind of love that God works where, like you said, you can be the widow, you can be the one in famine, and yet you're the one that's a loving beyond what the world would ever imagine. Isn't that what, what, what was it? Was it the Philippines? What, 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 what church was it that he said that out of their poverty, out of their poverty they gave out of generosity? Oh. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, don't yeah. don't worry about it. Well, no. <laughs> no, there's there's so many it's, connections to make. Um, I'm, I'm sure. One. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No. 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 Yeah. No. I mean, like, so I I think you you see that right, and, and so it actually ends up becoming like, I mean, really in the scriptures it becomes like a, a pattern. Like it's it's kind of funny how when when God deviates from the pattern, there's a pattern there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But well, so speaking of that, right, and talking uh, this uh, compliments what you were saying nicely about selflessness. Um, I, I always want to bring up, what does it mean that God actually commanded the ravens to feed him? Okay, like, because I don't think, I don't think we stop and really think about that. It reminds me of this, uh, this little uh, uh, story that, that I've heard, which was like about selfless giving, right? 
And uh, so the, the difference was like il illustrating, I guess, giving from your excess and giving, um, giving sacrificially. And so like the, the, the first, like there's a bunch of animals who are going to be doing some giving. And so the, the, the chicken says, oh, well, I'll, I'll bring, I'll bring eggs. Right. And that's mm -hmm. giving from her excess. But then the pig says, well, well I'll bring the bacon. <laughs> you know, you know, so, so yeah, I, I think yeah. you have a little bit of a thing like that. I mean, what does it mean? What, what is, what does God mean to say that like, the, I'm carrying the ravens to feed you? Um, I, I think it means he's commanded him to show up there so he can grab himself some bird. Um, yep. I, mean, I mean, which, which is really fascinating because, well, I don't know if you've if taken a look at like the variants and like what it says in the Septuagint and stuff, maybe you have. You have any, any thoughts on on uh, the the what what the no, ravens no, I, exactly I just, are bringing? I really, I, I really like. I really really. Now that's not how I saw it in the Sunday school picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, right. <laughs> you know, because I remember vividly they had the pictures there in Sunday school, and the ravens were like bringing him something with little baskets, <laughs> like little gift bags, like with well, Christmas bows. <laughs> but but you know the thing is is either way either way you're absolutely right AJ because if I'm a raven and we're in a time of famine I'm feeding myself <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not bringing any food to this guy so I, yeah no 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 yeah so I'll, I'll, but you're I'll, absolutely uh, right sure that's the point it's a sacrificial thing no, on the no. part of the ravens yes yeah yeah well I mean I won't, I won't go off on on a trail there I see that we have a caller on on the line so okay. I'll, I'll just I'll just wrap that thought up by saying that the bit about bread and meat is not there in the Septuagint. It's seemingly ah, been okay. added in the Masoretic text. And and part of the thing is to think about it, right, is that the uh, Hebrew word lechem, like it is um, with, uh, with with artos uh, or, um, in, in Greek, is it can just mean uh, food, meal. Um, Sustenance. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it doesn't necessarily yeah. mean like literally bread. So I think I think the most straightforward way is that, that, well, God's commanded them to offer themselves and they— they do so. What, so there, there is a Christological moment that you didn't expect. Okay, James is on the phone, ah, yeah. um, and I think he wants to follow up and talk. We need to come to you, James, your question about the the office of of Elijah. But uh, yes, brother, good to always hear from you. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, and I'm I'm just sitting here chuckling about uh, what you said about the uh, ravens because I I have <laughs> never thought of it that way either. Yeah. You know, manna from heaven. I guess it's it's manna from heaven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but but uh, also, <laughs> uh, I always enjoy always enjoy uh, the good pastor Lukomsky. He always brings back memories. He talked about his notes early in the program, mm -hmm. and I remember back in the days of Don Matson at Issues Etc. and uh, Brother Paul Clayton and our dear pastor, uh, the program that they had and when the pastor would visit and be a guest pastor with uh, Chuck Rathen on the Bible study. Oh, he yeah. Have these hands. You're dating yeah, yourself, he would have these <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, well, I, th I think, I think the message, the I was just going to say, I think, the, I think the message is that regardless of the host or the name of the program, Pastor Lukomsky is going to be around <laughs> by the grace of God. <laughs> yeah. And, and we were we were so we were young in the ministry, and we would be so thirsty and hungering for the the knowledge that we were learning on these programs, and we would ask Pastor to 
give us his handwritten notes. We would even do you remember that, Pastor? We would oh, ask yes, you to leave your handwritten notes yeah. to to give yeah. us. So I, I I when I thought about your notes, I think about I don't know if you still handwrite them, but those little handwritten notes you used to bring to the program <laughs> every time you get there and come up with these with these new insights. And and so saying that, I'd like to uh pose my question to you about uh who the Phoenicians were mm-hmm. and which of the twelve apostles uh was sent to evangelize them uh in the commission. Mm-hmm. And uh and that and that question that AJ brought up, I'd like to yeah. ask you, Pastor, put that one to you about uh what office takes up the mantle of Elijah today. Mm-hmm. And for you, brother AJ, yeah. I wanna ask that that question about uh if it does not matter if you're a pagan worshiper of Ashtaroth or Baal, then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. does it matter if you are a community in need, if you are Hispanic or Muslim or pro-life now mm-hmm. in regards to the way uh, Elijah approached the woman from Sydney? And I'll, and I'll hang up and listen to you good. Uh, yeah. 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 Th- thank you, James. Yeah. You know, it's uh, that that'll be that'll be plenty for us to to work through probably for the for the rest of the hour here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and, and then some probably. But uh, yes. Yeah. So, uh, John, you know, I'll let you I'll let you take it away. Well, well, let me let me take that. I, I'm going to pass on the Phoenician thing because I don't know James. <laughs> I was trying to do a quick Google search, and that ain't. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. the 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 mantle, the mantle. I, I think the mantle is the office of the ministry today, wherever that ministry is being uh, uh, fulfilled in, in the preaching of the word and the, and the giving of the sacraments. Uh, uh, you know, the the prophet John uh, was pointing ahead to Jesus that's coming. And now he's come, and, and he's done what he came to do, which was to bring salvation through his suffering, death, and resurrection. And the ministry still continues. So now we got to tell people that it's it's accomplished, not that it's coming, but that it has done and arrived. So I don't yeah. know if that's too simplistic, uh, but well, I think the office of the ministry is the fulfillment of that. Well, I, I think that— um... I, I think that yeah, like in the in kind of the broad strokes, right? Like you, you you see it, right? That like it's not as if like oh okay, well there you know there were there were prophets, right? And they used to do great things, but you know that that's that's gone and done. Like well, no, I mean God, God is still alive and active and, and speaking. Um, I think this ties into though the uh, the question on Facebook, right? That hang on, this this is kind of interesting. These are prophets that did not, you know, there is no book of Elijah, book no. of Elisha. Right. So like what, what, what kind of what, you know, what, what's going on here? Um, and, and so I do think this is fair. And I think we, we had talked about this maybe like a little bit when we were following David and we saw how um, it, it sort of seems like, you know, Gad as a as a seer um, functioned a little bit differently than the priests. Right. Who would uh, inquire of the, you know, through whom David would inquire of the Lord. With like the uh, the umim and the turim, right? Like, so so you see, like there's a tumim. So there's a little bit of uh, a difference, right? And, and even among prophets, I think, I, I think that you've got, um, you know, the, these prophets who seem to be kind of itinerant and they're kind of like going around, right? Different places. You've got, I mean, think about think about Elijah, right? What did he do? Like, well, he hung out in the wilderness, <laughs> yeah, and people yeah. came to him, right? So I, I think there are actually subcategories, uh, you know, within, within like, the, the, the broad term prophet, 
Um, and I don't think that there's necessarily, you know, some kind of exhaustive list, but like you kind of like look at the Old Testament with stuff like, you know, how the Levites were broken down different ways. Like, I, I think there is a little bit something like that. And I think that when it comes to Elijah, the thing uh, that I think is most prominent about his ministry is how he testified to kings. And like, uh, I, I think what really makes a prophet a prophet is uh, calling people to repentance. I mean, th- think of, again, like Jonah, right? So, um, you know, the, there are these prophets, and their their key function at the time was to be this corrective um, towards towards the, the monarch. And and so, I mean, like, what, what do you do at the beginning? I mean, just, just what you said, brother. God loves, right, um, the kings, the rulers, because it's through them that he blesses his people. So, yeah, he, he, goes, to, he goes to Ahab, and he delivers this message, and it's so that Ahab would repent. So, yeah, I mean, like, you see that, of course, with John the Baptist, and that's what got him killed when he went to the Ahab of his own day. Um, the Lord Jesus went before kings. The Lord Jesus... Uh, said to his disciples, you will be brought before kings. And that came true, um, especially in a big way, right? When, um, you know, as tradition holds, uh, Paul made his way before the emperor of Rome, right? So uh, it's not clearly everyone's role to, not even all pastors, to go before kings, but you bet that God's still doing that today. Yeah, and and sad to say, I don't know that the kings are paying any attention <laughs> any well, more than they did in the Bible. <laughs> maybe so. a pandemic will get their attention. <laughs> I don't know. It didn't didn't appear to, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, uh, fair, fair. It hasn't it hasn't but, gone on for for seven years, right? So. Yeah, so so well, and 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 yeah, I think that's a good insight too, AJ. You're right that there's a special office here, uh, speaking to those in authority. But I appreciated, like, especially the fact you said, why, why would you go to those in authority? Because they're the ones who have the power of helping the yep. people, and that's what God wants done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, b- before we leave this, can I make one other comment? It's not actually an answer to the question, but but it is, I, I think, something that we need to share. Mm-hmm. Um, because I hope everyone realizes that what, what Elijah does for the widow is actually being done for every one of us right now. Yeah. Uh, every one of us has been—this is a horrible situation and more difficult for others. I really appreciate the people who haven't been able to pay rent and the people who've lost their jobs. And, and, and most of those people, by the way, were just barely getting by anyway because they were sustenance kind of work anyway. But, but trust me, the Lord is going to take care of his people. He's going to feed us miraculously. It's not to say we might not be to the point where we think I've only got one meal left, but yeah. but uh, you can you can believe this. Uh, the Lord is. Uh, here's what Luther says: It is utterly impossible for God to let anyone who trusts in Him die of starvation. All angels would have to come and feed Him. <laughs> okay, God cannot forsake those who trust in Him. And He reminds us, David, who says, "I have been young and now I'm old, and yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken." Are his children begging bread? Well, we we might be begging, but but I'm just want everybody to know what he's doing here is he's doing right now. We just don't see it. See, we we don't think it's a miracle. We think it's our work and our effort, but it isn't. It it is a miracle. Uh, in fact, that's just real quick. That's what I was talking about this story. The story is not that the widow got up in the morning and the elves had made her bread, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's those kind of no, no, no. She had to get up. She still had to bake the bread, you yeah. know, grind the flour, do whatever you the ladies do. But but no, the Lord had miraculously provided, and He's continuing to do it for everyone listening to us right now.
Um, yeah. So anyway, I wanted to get that thought in real quick. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Thanks. And, and, it, and it makes me think, too, you know, about um, I mean, I mean, God sends him to a brook. Right. But but the, the brook, it, it dries up. Right. So the, the yeah. means that he's appointed, like it's affected by by the famine. Right. So, I mean, and everything's being affected by the famine and, and, and the woman. Right. Like her clearly like uh, her means. So we got to think about this. Right. She doesn't have flour and oil, like you were saying, because she went to yeah. Walmart and got them. Yeah. No, like you, you get oil from, you know, like pressing like fermented olives <laughs> and, yes, and you, and you exactly. get, and you, and you get bread from you, all the grinding and stuff. So, I mean, if all of a sudden, right, like the stuff around her, um, like starts producing in the middle of the famine, I mean, that that's pretty remarkable, I think. Um, yeah, I was going to say like, just if I can like try to whew, may really quickly get to what, what James is asking about, um, uh, about like the, the Astro the bail, um, you know, I, I think it's it's fascinating right here. It doesn't go into a lot of detail, but we've talked about this. There was a temple in Samaria, um, and there was a temple there on Mount Gerizim. And it says uh, back in in verse uh, in chapter sixteen uh, that Ahab erected an altar for Baal in the house of uh, Baal, which he built in Samaria. Right. So there was already a house of Baal, as to say, there was a temple up there. So that is pretty interesting that there was a temple and Baal means Lord, right? So just, just thinking about that, right? So the question, right, you know, does it matter? Um, you know, clearly according to God, like it does matter. It's not like, uh, it's not a matter of like, oh, well you call God this, you call God that it's all the same. Um, but however, right. What, what doesn't matter is that, you know, just because you're Sidonian, that that doesn't mean that God's not going to bless you, right? And and that's the thing, right? This this amazing resurrection miracle happens, right, to a Sidonian. I, I mean, that I think is huge. I mean, like, who gets the great resurrection miracle? Is it you know, is it is it Jacob? Was it Abraham? One of the you know Jewish uh, forefathers? No, it was this foreigner, right? I mean, yes. and that's and that's amazing that that you get like the the foreigner then who gets the miracle of the food and then the miracle of resurrection because it is mar- resurrection. It's the breath of life. And that signals, I think, Pentecost, the breath of life going out to all nations. So on that note, uh, brother, so many good things. I'm so glad that we're going to have you back at least one more time here. Uh, Good talking to you, John. God bless. Yeah, God bless you, AJ. Everybody, Pastor John Lekomsky, co-host of Wrestling with the Basics, Wednesdays and Saturdays on KFUO. All right, going on to Second Kings. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace. Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.